We are live. All right. How's it going, skeptics? Welcome to another episode of Reason to Doubt. I'm Jordan, and with me is Jared. How's it going, Jared? It's going well. I'm excited to be talking to you tonight about something that I am not qualified to talk about. So <laughs> That's basically uh, every night. So there we go. Yeah. <laughs> tonight, yeah. we're going to be talking about aliens. The guy with the hair. Uh, and <laughs> why we as skeptics, uh, at least I think aliens probably exist or at least have existed. I don't know. But what do you think aliens exist? Yeah, I do think aliens exist. It, it It's we might get into what we mean by aliens, but I think there's life out there. <laughs> right. Well, when you say that, I'm going to take that to mean X-Files is real and 100% accurate. Yeah, there's a guy with a cigarette smoking somewhere. Yes, that's <laughs> that's what I mean. So <laughs> You know, that guy was supposed to be like not even a character. His name in the script was Cigarette Smoking Man. Really? And everyone was like, when he came out, everyone was like speculating, who is this guy? Who is this guy? And they like made him into a character but he was originally just like some dude in the background that's funny yeah i didn't know that but well so the reason we're talking about this too is because sometimes people will say you know when when we say that we believe in aliens in whatever extent that is uh they'll be like well how can you believe in aliens you know that doesn't that require faith isn't it the same faith that it does like for me to believe in god and we would say no not really right right uh so I would say that I believe in aliens because the evidence is sufficient to convince me that they likely exist, Mm -hmm. which um, that might sound weird since we have no direct evidence of them. But I think we have good indirect evidence. But before we get into that, let's talk about today's fallacy of the day, which is a fun one. It's called the prosecutor's fallacy. Yeah, this is a good one. Uh, It gets its name because it's commonly uh, committed by lawyers who are prosecuting somebody. So, right used to put innocent people behind bars. So uh, this is a fallacy involving conditional probabilities. So the odds that X is true, given that Y is true. And uh, humans are not very good with numbers in general. And having one number depend on another number makes humans even worse at it. So uh, one of the ways this often comes up is in medical testing. So you might hear like a test is 96% accurate or 98% accurate, right? Um, And so people will assume that, okay, if I took this test and it says I got a positive result, like I'm infected with whatever, then it's 96% likely that I have the thing, right? That's what 96% accuracy would seem like it would mean, right? Uh, Wrong. So (laughs) the reason... (laughs) is because uh, it's a failure to account for uh, the the uh, chances that you are getting a false positive, right? So given a given I got a positive result, what are the odds that I am actually positive versus a false positive? And it might seem counterintuitive that often the answer is you're way more likely to not have the disease even if you had a positive result than if you... Um, so even if you have a positive result, you may be many times more likely not to have a disease, which seems weird. But then if you think about it, say the test was 96% accurate and you tested a billion people, you'd get, what, 40 million positive results, even if absolutely nobody had the disease. Right. Right? Yeah. Which. So you're you're not looking like, what are the odds I have the disease at you know, in general, it's like, okay, the prevalence of this disease is whatever small percentage, you know, if it's like 
0.2% of the population or whatever, right? So what are the odds that I got this positive result and I am also in that 0.2% versus the odds that I got a positive result that's false, that I'm in the 99.8%, right? And often that second one is bigger. You're talking about numbers, um, which I right. don't get. <laughs> uh, another, so another one that that factors in is when you have an explanation for something that is, the explanation is unlikely, but um, it's nevertheless true. So, for example, Sally Clark was wrongfully convicted of murder in 1996 because she had two children who died. So one died of like SIDS, and then a couple weeks later, another one, her other child, died. So she had two children die very close to each other. And the uh, expert witness they got testified that it was like a one in a 70 million chance that they that that would happen. Right. That you'd have in a affluent home with resources and everything. Right. It's extremely unlikely for two children to die. Now, people have questioned that expert's testimony, whether his estimate was right. But even if it was right, if it's a one in 72 million chance, well, that means that's going to happen like about right. once every 72 million homes. Right. So would the fallacy be to say there's a one in 72 million chance probability that she's innocent, which means that so, she's a. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's, that's the fallacy. There's assuming that the rate of the thing means that the inverse of that is her probability of being guilty, which it's mm -hmm. not because you'd expect just if with a huge population that someone in there is going to have this highly unlikely thing happen. And that's the one that the cops are going to come and talk to. Right. Right. You know, so it's not like they, they picked a, a name out of a hat and like knocked on a random door, you know, <laughs> there's a reason <laughs> yeah. they, were, they were there. Right. Um, and uh, so eternized dragon uh, seven talks about, yeah, the probabilities depend on the assumptions that enter the reasoning for those equations, right? Which kind of gets into Bayes' analysis a little bit yeah. too, because the more things you add on, the more you can determine the probability. And exactly, you'd use Bayes' theorem to um, assess the probability given that what's the probability of X given Y is Bayes' yep. theorem is often used to calculate those probabilities. So the key takeaway here is that the context matters. Um, even unlikely events can happen if you have a huge sample size. You know, and so the overall sample size and context is important when you're dealing with probabilities. Yeah, it's extremely important. So that speaking is huge sample spe sizes. Yeah, speaking of huge sample sizes and humans not being able to understand big numbers. Uh, <laughs> so, so the galaxy is pretty big, right? It's pretty big. I don't know if you've seen the James Webb Space Telescope pictures that have been coming out. I uh, have pixel peeped them because I've been, yeah. They, they're mind blowing. And um, the space is really big, turns out, like really big. And <laughs> <laughs> so that uh, is why we think aliens exist. So the context of this conversation is the Fermi paradox. So let's talk about that. Uh, the story where this per paradox comes from, supposedly, I don't know how, if the story is actually true, Enrico Fermi came up with it, but who knows if this story of it is true, but whatever. The story goes that he was having lunch with like some colleagues doing sciencey stuff, and they were talking about whether or not aliens existed. And someone was arguing for, you know, aliens like are likely to exist. And he was like, well, then where is everybody? Yeah. 
they basically did all the math, said, look at all this. The probability is that there's aliens out there. And then he's like, yeah, if there are, but why don't we see them? Right. Yeah. Why not? Yeah. So <clears throat> that's the question. Um, and that was, that was in 1950. And since then work has been done to try to quantify the likelihood that aliens have existed. So one of the most famous attempts was uh, Francis Drake in 1961. Uh, he came up with a famous Drake equation and he actually used it as the agenda for the first SETI meeting, which is a search for extraterrestrial intelligence. You've probably seen them in the beginning of every alien disaster movie, you know? Yeah. <laughs> they got the little, um, little things right. out there. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and so the goal of his equation was to determine how many aliens are like broadcasting right now. And it looked at like the rate of formation of stars that could have planets and how likely it is that they would have life, et cetera. And you crunch the numbers, you put in whatever numbers you think are reasonable, and it comes out with a number of aliens that are broadcasting signals we could receive. Um, since then, the equation has been updated and to answer the question, okay, whether or not they're alive now, what are the odds that any alien ever existed? So uh, NASA put together a handy um, graph handy thing, handy graph, handy picture that I'll share real quick. So you can see this. If you put it up on the screen, there we go. So uh, this up here is the original Drake equation, okay? This down here is the equation I'm gonna be talking about. So basically, A here is the number of technologically advanced species that have ever existed. We would be one of them. So A is definitely at least one. Then you've got N underscore AST. So that's the number of habitable planets in the area you're examining. So basically like how many stars are there? Of those stars, how many of them have planets? And of those planets, how many of them could conceivably have life? Because they're in the right. habitable zone, meaning the distance from their star where they could have liquid water is usually how the, ha the habitable zone is defined. Um, you could add other factors if you wanted, like it's the planet size or whatever. Whatever factors you're going to deem to decide habitable, that's where you put it there. And then you multiply that by all of the biological factors. So what's the fraction of those that like are in the habitable zone on which like life actually shows up? And of the ones where life shows up, how many of them are, how much of that life survives to become intelligent? And of the ones that become intelligent, how many survive to be like an advanced civilization that, such that you know it fits whatever definition we're using? Mm -hmm. Um, put those numbers in and you'll get a number out, which is will be subjective uh, and only as good as the numbers you put in. But recently, and I say recently, it's like 2016, there was a neat paper that was put together um, by Frank and Sullivan called A New Empirical Constraint on the Prevalence of Technological Species in the Universe, published in Astrobiology. And they had a really cool approach. They said, okay, when... Drake put together his formula and they were originally kind of wrestling with the Fermi paradox. We had never observed an exoplanet. We kind of assumed they were out there. Right. But nobody, we'd never like actually right. seen one. Well, now we have Kepler, right? Yeah. So we've seen a lot of them. And so we have a lot better idea of like, what are the odds that a planet could exist and be in the habitable zone and everything. And so we can update this with our new information. And so what they did was they used that information 
to look at the left-hand side of the equation because we can like we may not know very much about how life originates on a planet so maybe that's real fuzzy but we know a little bit more about we know we have a reasonably good idea of how many stars there are in the universe and we have a decent idea based on our data so far how many of them have planets looks like almost all of them have a planet and of those how many are in the habitable zone uh about 20 percent or so um if you want to include it being earth size then that would be like six percent but whichever number you want to put in there and then you do something really tricky like okay given that what's the minimum value that the other term the biological term could have to get us at least one so like what's the the worst case scenario to have a universe that we produce a technological species and that gives you like a lower bound on the likelihood and so you can um hypothesize from there right and so uh there's two to the 22nd two times 10 to the 22nd power stars in the universe in our observable universe which um is a That's lot of stars. a precise number we counted all of them every yeah. single one nasa has <clears throat> yep. like named everyone <laughs> um now it you since every whenever you're in this conversation you have to i think it's like a law that you have to relate it to grains of sand so that's like about ten thousand stars for every grain of sand yeah. um i think it's the number i've seen thrown about i don't also know how they know how many grains of sand there are <laughs> whatever it's a really big number though is the important thing um and so with that if you just take the inverse of that then the lower bounds um basically says that uh, it has to be in order for us to have an answer less than one so basically for no technological civilizations to exist it would need to be those biological factors so the factor of once you've got a planet habitable zone the odds that life arises that life becomes intelligent and lasts long enough to like reach the stars um it would have to be 2.5 times 10 to the negative 22 or in other words one in 25 billion trillion whoa so you have a billion trillions that's that's the likelihood that we're talking here if like if life developing is any more likely than that on an already habitable planet then you will have more than one uh technologically advanced civilization in the history of the universe right so that's a that's an astronomical number i think is what we call them astronomical numbers right <laughs> literally astronomical yeah. so the like one... the number so they also did the number for like our galaxy so if you just looked at our galaxy the odds it would have to be worse than a one in a hundred billion for us to be alone in our galaxy yeah which i've seen is still i think pretty conservative yeah, I've seen some. I don't remember what it was, but I saw some math that basically like the they were they were they were ten thousand basically advanced civilizations in uh, the Milky Way galaxy alone, based on like some of these math problems. But like that's still a lot, but it's not a lot when you consider how many. Well, yes and no. So first of all, just as a disclaimer, with any of this, like. You're, it's gar the garbage in garbage out principle applies you Correct, know so yeah. when we're talking about life arising it's all guesswork so like nobody can say we definitively have an answer we can say like these guys said we have a lower bound 
you know, and given that lower bound, it sure seems likely, right? That's probably the best we can say. Right. Um, but if you imagine, if you take that number where there'd be 10,000 civilizations, right? Well, what percentage of them are going to grow beyond where we are? So uh, this is where we're going to bring in the carrot or the Kardashev scale, uh, which yeah. you may have heard of if you've ever talked about the Fermi paradox before. That has to do with like how much energy a civilization can harness. So a type one civilization can harness all of the power from their star or from their planet, rather. From their, their home planet, yeah. From the home planet, the place they evolved. Uh, the A type two can harness everything from their star and a type three has access to all the power in the galaxy. Which is a lot. So I think Earth has been... This suggests it's about 0.7, so we're not quite at a type one civilization yet, but we're pretty darn close. Uh, mm -hmm. So, yeah. So, if say you took that 10,000 number and say that's accurate, there's 10,000 intelligent species that have popped up in the Milky Way. Um, even if it's like one in a thousand make it to the, you know, progress through the tiers, you'd expect several type three civilizations, galaxy spanning civilizations to have existed. Yeah. Right. And with that amount of power and energy and technology, I mean, the mind can't even comprehend what they might be able to accomplish. Right. And so, yeah. So that's where the Fermi paradox comes in. If there are 10, 12, 20, however many galaxy spanning civilizations, well, where the heck are they? We are in the galaxy and we don't see them. You know, yeah. like, well, one of the why, things, not just like, why aren't we seeing like green little men, but why aren't we like seeing their radio chatter and the, the EM signals given off by their planet and stuff right. like that. Or the potential huge mega structures are going to build so, like, they may have like a super highway that like, you know, cuts, cuts across the Milky Way, like the Autobahn or something like that. Right. Like, but one of the things that I think is important to bring up in this, uh, we haven't really talked about yet is the concept of time and space time. Right. So like, our Earth is 4.5-ish billion years old. Um, the galaxy is 13 point some billion years old, and it takes a couple billion for all this stuff to get together for stars. But you could potentially have planets that have been around for 8 billion years or, or more, right? So those like type 3 civilizations, well, that's where they would come along. They'd have to be on those planets that are Yeah, older, another right? civilization could have had billions of years of evolution head start on us, you know? Right, yeah. And if you imagine, like, humans have been around for, what, 200,000 years-ish, and most of our technological advancement has happened in the last, like, 200 years, if you want to be maybe 500, whatever, some number less than 1,000, you yeah. know? Uh, look, so it, it, it's hard to fathom what could happen with right. a billion years of evolution. Try to apply Moore's Law into a billion years. <laughs> right. Um, and so at this point, I think we can answer why we think aliens probably exist, because it seems plausible right. that the odds of a habitable planet having life is greater than one in a 25 billion trillion. You know, yeah, but I think for the same reason, that's why we'll never see them. Yeah. And to go back to our original thing. We're basing our belief in aliens off of actual math and evidence mm -hmm. that we have like and obviously you said that the numbers can change and flux but we're not just saying oh we believe it because i have faith like ufo picture on the wall i want to believe you know right yeah it's like 
We believe it because we've looked at evidence to suggest. Though that just reminded me. So you you watch the X Files, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's been a while, but I've yes. Right. So the X Files, in case we have people who are born after the nineties, uh, <laughs> the X Files was a show back when VCRs existed, and it uh, had two FBI agents. One was Mulder, and he was the alien believing like woo guy and you had scully who was the skeptic right the hard-nosed skeptic who was like put in the x-file division to to rein molder in right which i think you know she could fairly be called be a a good skeptic at the beginning but i would submit she's actually a terrible skeptic horrible (laughs) horrible right because by the end of the first season she's seen like demons and aliens and like like seen them like yeah tattoos that come to life and stuff like like (laughs) she sees supernatural stuff on the daily and she's still like i don't believe it like that's no that's not like at that point a skeptic like i'm convinced like (laughs) (laughs) well either either like i've lost my mind you know i'm insane or this is real you know right that's a good point yeah um, the other thing that kind of sparked this conversation I might like to bring up here is we've always talked about, um, you know, reasons Christians believe. And one of those arguments was, well, just look at the trees, right? Yeah. So, and, you know, we had talked about this when we were talking about the James Webb. And, and I was like, well, how is that any different from just look at the stars? Look at the stars. Just look at the stars, man. Like, uh, and our, for our reason for not believing, but maybe believing in aliens. But I think the difference is we've shown here, you know, like. Well, the difference, the look at the trees argument for God yeah. is look at how magnificent this is. Doesn't it fill you with a sense of awe? Look at babies. It you has know? to be created, right? So Right. Wouldn't there have to be a God? Whereas this is saying the we don't know exactly what the odds of life forming are, but it seems plausible that they are greater than this threshold. And given the massive population size we have, there's probably another planet out there with life on it. Yeah. you know so well so we i think we should go on to um these types of civilizations and maybe talk about gates too because like those before and after but one thing i want to bring up this doesn't even take into account like we're basing most of this stuff on like our type of carbon based carbon-based life form on a planet in the goldilocks zone like if mm-hmm. you start to extrapolate out to silicon-based life forms or other kinds yeah. of life forms that don't need a goldilocks planet like the math goes skyrocketing. Yeah. <laughs> Life as we know it maybe can only exist under certain circumstances. Like the gets in the whole fine tuning argument, but like, right. That still leaves a lot, a lot of real estate, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, but so. okay. So the Fermi paradox, where is everybody? If we've got aliens out there and it seems plausible that there should be these galaxy spanning civilizations, how come we don't see them? Right. And the explanations that get bandied about really fall into two categories. I mean, these are mutually exclusive and exhaustive options. Like either one, we don't see them because there aren't any, or two, we don't see them for some other reason. Right. Right. So the first one, usually those fall into like the great filter, you know? Mm -hmm. So the, uh, there's some kind of filter that life has trouble getting behind. And, uh, Wait But Why did a really good breakdown of all this, and it's very entertaining. I highly recommend go reading it. Uh, he describes it, the Great Filter is three scenarios. Either we're rare, 
meaning the great filter is behind us. So like we won out in the cosmic lottery and like, maybe it's like life jumping from single cell cell to multicellular organisms. And that doesn't seem likely since in the lab, they've done that. Um, Whatever it is, there's some, some stage that's really hard to get by. And we made it, you know, smooth sailing from here. Maybe it's consciousness or something else, you know? Sure. Whatever it is, we, we got past it. We're first, uh, so maybe there isn't a great filter per se, or like maybe the great filter was like in the distant past, you know, like maybe for some reason the universe wasn't hospitable for life, uh, because of gamma ray bursts or, you know, maybe it required a certain amount of, st- of sun generations in order to have like the heavy metals, whatever, some reason. And so it's not that we're alone. It's just like, we all kind of showed up at the same time and maybe we're like at the head of the pack, you right. know, and nobody's quite gotten there yet. Or we're screwed because the he great the F word <laughs> is ahead of us. We haven't gotten there yet, and we're probably not going to make it. <laughs> yeah, I think people like Elon Musk might uh, ascribe to this one too. Like you know, like AI could be like the great filter. Like maybe we have a you get to a point where civilization makes a technology that basically destroys it. You know, like a doomsday device right. or something like that. So, though, if you're in a gray goo <laughs> AI situation, like that's still a galaxy spanning like organism it, like i would think that a ai would be even more likely to send out probes that we'd notice as it turned us into paper clips or whatever yeah. or as lee says maybe we're in a civil uh, simulation so if you haven't seen this episode go back and check it out but uh yeah, <laughs> yeah we talked yeah. to or sorry i wish i'd been there i think i was i sick I think yeah I was you sick. weren't you weren't yeah you weren't feeling well so. yeah uh, uh we mm-hmm. talked to jared about uh the simulation hypothesis which i think a thing that convinces me the most that we might be living in a simulation is the fact that physics, once you get like below like the Newtonian level looks so janky and like just slapped together, you know, it's like we're getting down to the resolution of the program where the things don't work very well and there's a ton of bugs. So it's kind of like, you know, yeah. Well, mm. so, uh, yeah. So that, those are the three explanations there. Uh, which one do you think is the most likely of those three? Well, so I don't think, that we're alone because I've already stated that I think we, mm. um, there's other life out there. So I think we're the first, uh, I think we've either, either we're the first or we are like right there with other civilizations and they haven't I mean, bridged that gap yet, you know? So like, like a Stellaris situation where all of the civilizations spawn at the same moment, you know? Exactly. Like we're literally in a Sid Meier's game and they're like, go like, <laughs> yeah, ready, yeah. go. Uh, so I, I'm more in the other camp of the other group of, of explanations, which we'll get to in a second. But if I had to pick one of these, I'd probably go with we're screwed uh, because I I think that that the mediocrity principle seems to apply in a lot of situations when in doubt, assume you're mediocre and you'll Mm -hmm. probably be right. Like you're probably average. That's how that that's how averages work. Right. So we're we're Americans. So we think we're special and worse than average in that. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, No. So like, it seems like the one that would make us the least special would be the one where there is a great filter and we didn't make it, you know, (laughs) or have not hit it yet. So we're not going to make it though. I think a case could be made for the great filter being behind us. And it's just like a selection bias, you know, like, so the only creatures that, are able to ask the question are the ones that have already passed it. And so given the conditional probability that we are, you know, given the fact 
that we are a conscious agent, you know, maybe the probability of passing the great filter happens to be one. Yeah. I mean, there's some other suggestions too, right? Like, so I think this kind of goes into the, you're screwed camp, but like maybe these type three civilizations like came to earth, saw earth and were like, that place well, that, sucks. That would be in the group two of the answers. So like, um, so the group two answer group one was, we don't see any type three civs because, because aren't there any. aren't any. Yeah. Okay. And here's, here's why there might not be any. The group two is there are them and there's good reasons why we might not see them. So one of them is like you said, maybe they just came here like a hundred thousand years ago and some cavemen saw some weird alien crap, but have no way to communicate it to us. I think that works, but it doesn't explain the, like not seeing signals, mm-hmm. like- you know? Though the other explanation is like, we're just not technologically advanced enough to detect their signals. So like we're kind of assuming that they'd use light to communicate like we use light to communicate. Right. Or they might use radios or something like that. Right. Radio is light. Those are radio waves or photons. But like actual radios where they, you know, hair drawn over. (laughs) (laughs) So it, so, but us like looking at the light spectrum and saying, well, we don't see anything might be, like a person walking into a office building with a walkie-talkie being like, well, nobody's using the walkie-talkie. Guess there's nobody here. And everyone's right. on like a cell phone, you know, yeah. uh, or more, probably more accurately, a, uh, a ant like goes into a kitchen, detects no pheromone trails and decides, well, there's no life here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean that, that, so the, the ant analogy, right? So like, we could be ants to these other civilizations, right? They could be further enough ahead of us that we just can't detect them or something. So, right. So it could be perhaps that like, um, we can't detect their signals because we just don't have the technology and the weird spooky physics, whatever they use to, to signal. Right. So that's why we wouldn't detect them and why we wouldn't see them. It could be that we are just completely insignificant. Like you said, like, uh, and if it, it seems like it kind of rankles our our uh, pride, but if you imagine these are like galaxy-spanning civilizations, you know, like if when uh, explorers came across from Europe and landed, did they stop and like go to see the ants and try to help them out or knock them over, or did they just like completely ignore them because they're a hundred percent irrelevant? You know, right? One of the and other. How- and how would they even explain it? Like, how would you even, if you're, if you're so far advanced, how would you even communicate to someone like us? It'd be like, us yeah, trying like, to. maybe there's ants out there, like trying to like tell us, Hey, stop <laughs> stepping on my house, bro. Like, yeah. <laughs> Have you ever heard like the, um, the, what if the elder gods, like, what if we are like the elder gods to the ants, like mm-hmm. a guy, like, like sees the ants in this this joke scenario he like sees the ants like gathered around and doing something weird and he like leans in and he can hear them like praying to him like wishing that frank would bring the sugar and he's like i mean sure i guess here you go like you know gives him sugar it's like oh, praise <laughs> frank and then like another ant is like hey this other one is like been messing with me go take him out he's like okay and like it's just you know <laughs> And then yeah. one day Frank like slips and accidentally stomps on him. It's like a cataclysmic event. You know? <laughs> oh man, that's funny. Well, the, the other one I was going to bring up was one of the possibilities too, is like, we're assuming, right. And I think somebody mentioned this in the chat, but like, we're assuming that space exploration and colonization is something that these uh, civilizations would actually do. Right. 
who's to say that they don't just like, I'm happy where I'm at. And we figured this stuff out, you know? Yeah. Uh, that kind of like living in a simulation, but they like, they intentionally go live in a simulation. So like right. maybe exploring the physical world is just completely gross and nasty. Mm-hmm. Like, why would you do that? They like figured out how to make themselves immortal in a perfect paradise in this eternally running machine. Then why would you ever leave? Right. Yeah. Manifest destiny. No, I don't think so. <laughs> yeah. I'm good. I'm good here with my 10 billion year lifespan, you know? Yeah. So that's a great point too. Um, yeah. Are, so what is your, your favorite one or the one that you think is most probable then as far as the, so I would go with the we're insignificant. Like we are not, we can't pick up their signals because we don't have the technology to do it. Um, and we haven't, like, if you look at the, a map of the galaxy, like the light bubble of signals we could have potentially received is like, it's, it's too small to show in pixels of a picture of the galaxy. It's very small. Um, And then why they ignore us. Like we're not that special. Like why would they bother us? What's so that's what I think is more likely. Well, it, it could also be that there just aren't any in our galaxy, but I'm with Stephen Hawking. Um, in he he was counseling against Medi. So SETI is like passively trying to receive searching signals. for it where Medi's yeah. like out there actively seeking yeah. it. Like Medi's like broadcasting, trying to like communicate to them. And he was of the opinion that is a terrible idea because um us meeting a civilization that if they're if they're advanced enough to travel here, then they're gonna be, you know, a type two civilization at least, right? And someone that's like that far advanced meeting us would be like technologically advanced explorers meeting the natives. And you may have noticed that that usually doesn't go well for the natives. Right. You know? Yeah. Like, um, uh, is that your brother, Christopher McComb? Yeah. Uh, the, yeah. The fateful encounter hypothesis is the great filter. That's another interesting idea. Like what if one civilization got there first, right? They were the first one. Somebody had to be first. They were the first ones and they're like a super predator civilization, like the Mass Effect scenario, they're the Reapers. And they like go around gobbling up civilizations that get advanced enough to challenge their power. So like we haven't been, we're beneath their notice now because we can't even leave our rocks. So why bother with us? Or they've noticed us, but we're not a threat yet. Like, yeah, yeah, exactly. Like we're on the radar, but the instant we like shoot a rocket out past our thing, you know, the the monsters descend. It's like, it's like when you're playing civilization, like I see what they're doing over there, but I got time to build up my super robot or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. And it could, and on that, the speculation goes like, what if there are other civilizations and everyone else is just smart enough to shut the fuck up and like hide because they don't (laughs) want to be noticed by this massive super civilization. And we're over here just like broadcasting everything (laughs) into space, you know? Well, that's a very, uh, so I've heard that one before from Hawking. Um, it's a little doom and gloom for me. And I think it also kind of projects a very human centered kind of thing, like using like our, what we've seen historically throughout human mm-hmm. history and projecting it on. Like, I would hope that a civilization that is far more advanced than us had got past the point of like really mundane, like moral ethical quandaries. And like, they figured that stuff out, you know, like, so um, that was Carl Sagan's stance was that any civilization advanced enough to travel the stars would have moved past this like tribalistic yeah. thing. I would like that to be true, but I just can't make myself believe it. Like, how did we get and granted, again, I'm looking like but at, at us, 
but we're I'm, that's the only data set I have, right? Yeah, so, right. Uh, like, how did we get to the top of the food chain? It wasn't by being nice. Humans got to the top of the food chain by murdering the ever-loving hell out of everything else that stood in our way. <laughs> yeah, it why wasn't by we... being the strongest or the fastest. No, no. Yeah. Why? Why are we the only hominid that existed? Because we stabbed everyone else. Oh yeah, the Lee mentioned there the Bobaverse uh, thing. If you want to pull that comment up, great book, great book. The Bobaverse. Uh, have you re- you've read this book? No, I have not. So highly it's recommend. On my list. So uh, the Bobaverse um, focuses on a guy named Bob, and he's like a software engineer, modern day, and he signs up to get. He like wins the lottery, or no, he sells his company. Super doesn't really matter. He got a bunch of money. And he like goes and signs up for cryonics and they get hit by bus and that gets revived like a couple hundred years later. These aren't big spoilers. They happen like the first chapter, you know, okay. He gets revived and he's an AI and they want to turn him into a von Neumann probe, which if you don't know what a von Neumann probe is, basically it's a probe that's self-replicating. So the probe goes to a new star and builds more probes that then go to new stars and they build more probes. And so it like exponentially, explores the galaxy gotcha so that, that's one of the ideas too of like galaxy spanning things right that goes into right. like why like if they had this technology this should be possible and i think they say you could hundred thousand years cover the entire milky way galaxy with this kind of system or i forget the exact number but it's like far less than the lifespan of planets so like yeah. this hypothetical planet that like had a billion years of evolution on us has plenty of time to have von Neumann the entire galaxy if they right. wanted to hmm. um, check that book out. But yeah, there's, there's also a lot of really good stuff in the Bobaverse um, where they interact with like primitive species, like just getting to sapience. And that's an interesting thing. And Bob is just like a guy. Basically I view myself as Bob and the Bob scenario is my like ideal. Like, if I could die and then be revived as a as a computer and they're like, go in the spaceship and fuck off forever. Like that would be just amazing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Sounds good. Well. How about you? What do you think is the most likely? Um I don't know. It's it's all this stuff is mind boggling to me. Like I think maybe the insignificant one too. Like we're just too insignificant to notice. We're not on anybody's radar. Or they when they did notice us we were even so insignificant that we didn't have the ability to actually document so like perhaps somebody came and visited the planet when we were you know a species that was just getting started or something or before we even had a species right like built some uh built some stonehenges put together some pyramids you know yeah or they could have came here when it was dinosaurs like oh this planet is scary i'm leaving like (laughs) Yeah, yeah that's true um but well so we should point out that the universe is very big very 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 big however big you think it is it's bigger (laughs) and we are very 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 small uh interestingly even if like we've just been talking about the visible universe but Mm. under most cosmological models the universe probably extends far beyond our visible universe so and as the expansion of space speeds up like that the number of stars in our visible universe will eventually fade away as it dilutes away but like there's a ton more 
like space there's a ton even under like modest inflationary models there's probably a lot more stuff beyond the portion that could reach us you know in our light cone right and so like that even like if you're willing to expand your definition of universe to just be like the continuous region of space-time where our physics holds then that could be several like t several times as much volume which just mm -hmm. makes the odds even more likely yeah well i guess there's two ways to look at it right one way is that we are just insignificant little species on this insignificant planet in the middle of an insignificant galaxy right the other thing is like this is pretty crazy that you and i get to sit on computers and talk about this stuff and hypothesize and actually that seems pretty special to me um i mean yeah uh it is we are lucky to be living at a time in just like human history right mm -hmm. if you think about it for the vast majority of human history people had no idea why things happened you know so like we're among the first humans ever to be able to look at the universe and not like guess or wonder but to know why things are happening like the physics of our everyday life is solved like all the physics that covers the things you do every day when you drive your car or launch a spaceship or any of that stuff that's solved that's settled science there's no questions we understand that it's just like that's newtonian physics and maybe some relativity the stuff that we don't have figured out is like the very big the very fast the very massive right but that's well outside of your everyday human experience and that is amazing to me like all the physics i interact with is well understood it's done we've already we've done all of that i i don't understand physics so um you don't understand it. i <laughs> yeah. don't understand all of it but like the royal we of our group thinks right species yeah, yeah. understands it but it's know? yeah i totally got you there um are we alone? We don't know. Uh, right? I think we're alone on this planet. Like, I don't think aliens have ever visited Earth. I think that's unlikely. Yeah. I, I don't think, like, alien abduction stories are real. Uh, well, I mean, I believe that they genuinely believe it, but that doesn't yeah. make it. I think like, we covered that one once. Actually. Yeah, we've touched yeah. on it. Yeah. yeah. So I, when I say I believe in aliens, I don't mean that I believe that Billy Bob got abducted and, you know, so do you mean by aliens, you mean intelligent life to the point where like class one, class two, class three civilizations or like just aliens, like, you know, microbes on a gaseous well, cloud somewhere? I guess it would exist on a spectrum. The the lower down you go, the more I'm more confident I am that that exists. Right. Because it's yeah. like you got to get to the lower rungs before you get to the higher rungs. Right. So I'm it seems pretty likely that civilizations have gotten to at least type two you know, somewhere in the, the history of the universe, right? And however likely that is, it's you just drop several of those filters from the formula we talked about originally. Like you just don't even, if you're just talking about like microbes in some like slush somewhere in a gas cloud or on like a moon, then you don't need to worry about them becoming intelligent because that's not what you're talking about, right? So right. whatever the odds are that an intelligent species arises, several orders of magnitude for a, you know, moss or whatever yeah. well, uh, do you have anything else you wanted to cover or well eternized dragon has a uh a fermi paradox explanation that he says is gonna blow everything wide open I mean, let's let's look at it it's 
It's based on a few general abstract lines of reasoning, the importance of an issue, a decision grows the number of living beings that affect for how long. Okay, so evolution, the longest running moral issue to date. I'll give you that for sure. Uh, and evolution generally runs based on uh, suffering. That's the mechanism, that's the fuel that, that, that drives everyone to succeed. The way that the, the thing that is doing the selecting is uh, brutal death, usually. Yep. So, yep. And a macroethical conclusion to possibly draw from that is against any space colonization and against forward contamination of ISIS. I mean, so uh, to avoid great suffering. So kind of like a prime directive sort of scenario like um if we inadvertently okay so if we inadvertently in exploring contaminated a planet and that because of our contamination we sparked life on that planet and that led to a billion years of evolution which would produce suffering and you know everything right. else yeah. yeah that i could i could see that that calculus being drawn of course that also assumes that like you're not getting value out of life itself like does life itself have value and if so is it enough to us like is the existence of life an intrinsic good and if so is it good enough to outweigh the suffering that is required for life to exist well you could just ask the uh judeo christian god he would tell you yes so i mean yeah think that he could have done a better job that's another thing though like it, it even under this prime directive hypothesis i mean that's only assuming that they see like life that more runs off of the evolutionary processes that created us but right, there might be others there might be other ways to see life such that it's not necessary such a natural selection doesn't have to be so brutal i don't know yeah that's a good point but at the same time if you can do that if you if you have the technology to do that, you probably have the technology just to simulate it, and then you can completely control any suffering those simulated beings have. But then, what if those simulated beings run simulations, and then we're back to the other episode? <laughs> <laughs> and that's why we're here. So, yep. Well, I really enjoyed uh, this one. Always blows my mind, um, even just thinking about it, because it's it's very hard to grasp for me just the sheer numbers. But then just like all the possibilities and the fact that it's not really solved, like if you were to pull, you know, 20 different scientists in the, this field, you know, like astrobiology and all that kind of stuff, like they would all give you different answers, right? Because it's so yeah. varied. I mean, my wager would be that most would probably be in the life that's existed at some point somewhere camp, mm -hmm. but I doubt you'd get them to nail down any harder than that, you know? Right. But. So. Now, I will say if we were to find life on like Titan or something like that, like in our solar system, if we were to find life, particularly multicellular life, that would be really cool and really bad news for the great filter crowd. Because that would show that the great filter is probably not something like the jump to multicellularity and stuff like that. Right. Um, and if that's the case, that really narrows down the candidate great filters that we've passed, you know? Yeah. But I think it'd still be cool. 
Well, it'd be cool. I mean, any kind of discovery of life other than us would be cool, in my opinion. I mean, no matter what happens to the species, my extinction horizon is like what fifty years, maybe. So screw it, I don't care. Whatever, <laughs> my great filter is coming, no matter what. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe just a filter, not a great filter, but it's a filter it's, for it's sure. Pretty great to me. <laughs> yeah. Like I'm super worried about it. I don't know about. Do, do you not wake up at night filled with existential dread? You know. Nope. No, <laughs> not at all. Just me then. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, mm. all right. Well, thanks to those who jumped in the chat. Really appreciate it. If you wouldn't mind, uh, if you could hit the little thumbs up button, if you thought it was cool or hit the thumbs down button, if you didn't think it was cool, that's, I don't know why you're still here. If that's the case, but I mean, whatever, I don't know. Maybe hate listening to podcasts is your thing. In which case rock on, I don't know. And yeah. uh, leave a comment. If you want us to talk about something, We've got, we're going to talk climate change, I think, coming up. Yep. Um, next episode, we already did. That's going to, that was. Um, Christian Nation. Is America a Christian Nation? Uh, <laughs> depends. Spoiler, <guess>. maybe. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah. So, anyway, leave us a comment if you have something you want us to talk about. We're always looking for new skeptical information. Until then, remember, you always have reason to doubt. Peace out. Have a good one.